up, what up? Welcome to My Two Cents Podcast. We got one of the hosts, half the hosts of the Let's Get Technical Podcast, Rasheed Wallace. Him and Bonzi Wells was a, another former NBA player. NBA legends in my mind, both of these guys, with the way they, they played the game and approached the game. And uh, they're here with us this week for the AI Classic in Memphis and uh, came over to do me a favor and uh, and do my podcast. I did their podcast a couple days ago, and it's just that brotherly love, man. Mm-hmm. Just welcome to Memphis, and I uh, appreciate you doing the podcast. Oh, for sure. Glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. You know, it's I love coming down here to Memphis. You know, you always get that good home feeling, even back when I was playing. Well, even just talking about playing, just my memories of you, man. When you first came, well, when I saw you at Carolina, I was like, man, this one always shooting threes. He dunking people. He posting up. Then you came to the league. I was like, I want to see how you're going to do in the league. You dominated the league your way. It ain't got to be nobody else's way but, but your yours, way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I had to get the forces. When you brought the forces in, even though I had my own shoe, I had to beg <laughs> Nike for the sheets with the sheen on the side, dog. No lie, dog. You were just that. I enjoy watching your game because you just brought it, the intensity. Every, I didn't see you have one off night as far as intensity. You might have didn't make all your J's right, right. or whatever, but the intensity, what you brought, you brought that every time. So I can appreciate that, bro. Had, had to, man. You know, being out there with my brothers and, and you out there in the street fight. So I, you can't be soft. You know, you know, it's no time to be timid. So, you know, look, I got your back. Just know that. You know, if you my point guard, yo, I ain't going to let this big man set no illegal screens on you. If he knock you down, I'm going to get in his stuff and I'm going to help you up. So, no, you ain't out here by yourself. It's like it's like the football. You got to protect the quarterback. That's yeah. how I feel. I feel like I'm an offensive, defensive lineman or something. I got to protect my quarterback. Yeah, you know, just talking about that, me being a coach in today's game, I coach middle school, AAU, high school, and now college. The bigs don't believe in that. No. You know, what would you say to the young bigs nowadays when you see them not protecting their PG, not calling out the screen, somebody hitting them, and then them not responding to it? Hey, it's, it's, it's being soft to me, actually, because, again – your point guard is your quarterback. And just think of your football team. If my quarterback goes down, yeah, we got a backup, but he might not be as good as my starter. Right. So, yo, you know, you got to go to war for your point guards. I go to war for my shooting guards. I went to war for everybody. Rip, Chauncey, Tay, D. Ham, everybody that was in that locker room with me. Yo, it's wartime. And if we all together, like, damn, it's, it's an unstoppable force. Yeah, so what do you say to a kid? Because I've had a kid say, I said, that's soft. He said, I'm not soft. But he's playing soft. So how do you how do you differentiate the two? I'm I'm not soft off the court, but mm. you're calling me soft on the court. How do you how do you say a kid that thinks he's tough, but he's playing the game soft? I got I got a kid like that on my team. <laughs> and he, good kid though. He's a good yeah. kid. And I'm always teasing him. I'm like, you know, off the court, you know, pretty big dude, you know, natural weight room, all that. But on the court, I'm like, yo, you should be playing tougher. So I call it a muscle suit. You know, <laughs> like the Hollywood stunt joint, you just zip it. You know, step into it, and now you buffed. Yeah, that's what it is with them on the line. But it's like use your physicality. If if God gave you, you know, broad shoulders, big arms to get down there on them chop blocks and bang out, use your physicality. You're the big man. Be a big man. Don't try to be like the guards on your team. Don't try to be like, uh, you know, the guards in the NBA. No, as you just mentioned before, be you. Yeah. Do it your way. But it's not the soft way. All that soft and cool stuff. You can't play for me with that. Well, you know, uh, just uh, the second that, you know, that it seems like most of these kids have an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Your identity is who you are. You don't, you can't be somebody else. And then I'm talking to a scout. Scout comes to our practice a couple of years ago, and we were practicing before COVID hit. And I was like, what do you look for in a kid? He said, I look for a kid that can repeat what he does 
in the game, meaning like what what's gonna put me help me put you on the floor and what's gonna keep you on the floor. We don't like guys who think that they're twos that are really fours. Mm-hmm. We don't like guys that are fives that think they're threes. You have an identity crisis. So be who you are. Like you said, if you're strong, bang out. You know what yep. I mean? But you can yep. keep working on your weaknesses. If that's mm-hmm. not your strength, you can work on that until you make it a strength. But right, right. now, this is who you are. Right. And a couple guys that I coached that actually went to the league, they came in trying to be guards, but they were really small ball fives. Mm-hmm. They bought into it, and I said, hey, buy into this, get to your dream, and then when you get to your dream, they're going to develop you develop and make you, you more. Who you, yeah, mm-hmm. even more. So I, I totally agree with that. So moving on to the out of high school, going to UNC, why did you choose UNC? Oh, man, it was, uh, it was that tradition. And also, really, <laughs> for me, the deciding factor, so – they played Michigan that night. They beat the championship. All right, I go to school the next day. I come home, and as I walk through the front door, you know, walking by the living room and going to the back, I see my mom sitting on the couch with a couple of people. I'm like, <laughs> Dean Smith and Phil Ford. Wow. I said, whoa. That's major. I said, whoa. I said, coach, you're supposed to be, you know, y'all just won the championship. You're supposed to be at least celebrate, you know. Go ahead, take a day or two. I understand you want to get me. He's like, nah, it's no time for that. I know what I want. All right, that, that got me right there. That sold me right there. And that was one of the deciding factors to go, along with the rich basketball history and brotherhood that we have down in Carolina. We set the precedence with all these other schools because they want to be like us with that brotherhood we mm-hmm. have. You know, every time you hear about guys coming back, they want to go back to different schools. Yeah, they got pretty much all that from us because in the summer times, it's like NBA pickup games. Right. You know, you got the collegiate guys and, and the pro guys. We got two courts going. It's like an NBA pickup game. So we just tell them, like, look, do do your thing. Yeah. Go out there, be – and, again, be you. Do your yeah. thing. Yeah, so the influence of Coach Coach Dean Smith on you, what was – like, the years that you played there, what what was his influence on you as a, as a player and as a young man? Well, I think the big – one of the biggest things I learned from Coach Smith was that team unity. Um, yeah, I was a five-star All-American. Uh, Stack was a five-star All-American. Jeff uh, McGinnis was a five-star All-American, mm-hmm. along with previous ones. But Coach Smith, I guess the way the way he is as a humble person, he brought all of that together, and nobody had no egos. That's big. Nobody had no egos. I wish they knew that. that. Not to even interrupt. I wanted to just touch that. It's so many egos mm-hmm. in today's game. I got 13 scholarship players and all 13 think they're going to the league, and all 13 have egos. There is no pecking order. There's mm-hmm. no one trying to separate themselves, but all of them think that they're going. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt that, but you were saying no egos. Yeah, that's, and that's the big thing that, that he and, – and truth is, he really didn't even preach it, Penny. He really didn't say, all right, guys, you know, once you cross the lines in this gym, throw the egos. He didn't preach it or nothing. He just was him, and guys bought into the system. Once you, it's like, look, you got five All-Americans buying into the system. Yo, it's awesome opposing to just that one or two. All the guys buying in, that's when you had a success. And that's why he was a successful coach with, you know, almost, what, 900 wins or something like that. Yeah, so, crazy, crazy. Man. Legend and rest in peace, Coach yes, Smith, for sure. for sure. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Just a legend. You know, I've been, I've, I was been watching Carolina. You couldn't help but watch Carolina ball mm-hmm. all those years that he was there. Through all the great teams, so mm-hmm. definitely a rich tradition, like you said. Uh, now, you spend your time at Carolina. You go into the league, 95, right? Yep. 95 yep. is the year. You get that moment where you get a chance to change the families. I don't know what your upbringing was, mm-hmm. but you get a chance to change your family's lives going into the 95 draft. How was it on for you on draft day? 
Um, I was nervous, real talk. I mean, I know it wasn't nothing about uh, playing a game or nothing, but I was I was kind of nervous because I didn't know the magnitude of being drafted. You know, okay. it was just when it happened, it was just like, all right, we all dreamed about it as a kid. You know, you sitting around talking with your homies after practice, like, man, I can't wait till they call my name. I'm gonna wear this suit and that suit, do this <laughs> and that, look fresh. Yeah. So you still don't get it, but after a while. It's, it's going to sink in. So, you know, we up there in Toronto. That's when they had the expansion with Toronto and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So, excuse my voice, y'all. That's all um, good. No, you've been coaching. Yeah. So, we're over here at uh, in Toronto. And I'm like, man, you know, got drafted, everything, green room. That was all nice. Where it really hit me was walking back to the hotel. As we're walking from the, um, the Sky Dome to the hotel, we're cutting across a parking lot. It's myself, Stack. Damon Stoudemire, and it was one more person. And for me, that's when it really sunk in, like, hey, y'all, we in the league. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we in the league. It's about to be on and cracking up here. And then that was the first part in the second half of it sinking in when I got to practice and got my ass kicked. But who busted that ass in practice when you first got to practice? Who didn't? (laughs) Who didn't? I'm going up against George Murasan. Big Georgie, everybody seven, don't remember seven. him. Nope, seven seven. I got C Webb. That's the Washington team. I got Juwan Howard, and I got Jim McElvain, and it's another big man by the name of Bob McCann. Yep. Those five bigs beating my ass every day. Like the only advantage I had was just running. Yeah. Was just running, and with me, I didn't have the physical strength to try to back them down or any of that. So I just had to use my basketball IQ, but. Along with that, they were a great group of guys. You know, they didn't try to hold all all the rookie things on me. A few of them did, but it wasn't nothing, you know, that I couldn't handle. And I appreciated it, though, because all five of those guys helped me to get where I am now. And that's what people don't understand. When you get into the league, you know, there was a guy named Jerry Reynolds that nobody knew about, but he was the three-man for the Magic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you had Dennis and Nick. Uh, you had Anthony Boyd. All these non-names guys that were just veterans that still could bust your ass if yep. coming in as a rookie yep. if you didn't know the game. But the one thing that I loved about you was, like you were talking about not understanding the draft, you just played for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like you would have just hooped all day if they would have let you hoop. Fact. You know what I mean? Like, And then I said this a couple days ago, if the league was for free and you was like, we just going to get some exposure just to go play, I feel like you were one of those cats that would have been like, let's go hoop. Yeah, I would have played. For sure. You got your shoes over your shoulders. You're like, what are we hooping at? Let's Check go. Ball. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Check ball. But it's that moment that you get to the to the league and you see the veterans. You're like, I'm about to bust his ass, bust his mm-hmm. ass. Then in practice, they already know the little nuances. Even mm-hmm. if it's a year ahead of you, one year ahead of you, they already know everything. So what was your moment? I can tell you my moment. But what was your moment in the league, your rookie year, outside of practice that you played somebody, you was like, yeah, he just, after the game, he was like, this dude just destroyed me. I couldn't do nothing against him. I couldn't stop him. He made every shot. Who was that? For me, it was David Robinson. Oh, my God. You got so, a piece of the Admiral early. So, my <laughs> – and it was around the time when, you know, he was on that MVP rank. Oh, yeah, that so, was ugly. Here it is. We're in Mexico City. It's the Washington Bullets against the Spurs. It's a home and home. So, the first night, it's like, boom, I'm like, all right. Dude, I'm about to go against David Robinson, Sean Elliott down there. It's like Terry Cummings. I'm like, man, they got A.J., all right, I've seen these guys play on TV. Mm-hmm. From watching outside, it, I know a little bit of their games, but I really didn't once I got inside. <laughs> yo, in 30 minutes, 
David Robinson gave me 30, about 14 with a, with a good, like, six or seven blocks. Damn, they had a triple-double on me. I'm like, oh, that, was, that was an official welcome to the NBA. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's like when people talk about bigs, I know we have some great bigs that played the game, mm-hmm. but they never mention the Admiral. They don't give the Admiral, man. When Admiral was coming out of Navy, dude was so fast, so athletic, so nice. I remember that stretch because Shaq was trying to win the MVP with him. Mm-hmm. And they let him go off for like seventy one or something against the yep. Clippers to go ahead and push it away or whatever. But yep. this dude was so mobile, so nice at, at and seven one and left handed, which made him even more unorthodox to guard. Yeah. And um, my moment was Joe Dumars Ugh. and Reggie Miller. Okay. I'm poking the bear when I'm playing the Pistons because I'm like I'm six seven. This Joe Dumars. I'm about. I seen the bad boy. I'm about to bust your ass, man. <laughs> Joe D gave me all the little triple threat game I wanted. And Merck jabbing, <laughs> jabbing me, Jab. coming off screens, understanding, getting him, getting me in foul trouble. And then Reggie Miller. I knew Reggie, but coming off them screens, the Davis boys cracking me. I was like, man, I'll never forget those two moments, my rookie year. I was like, oh, damn. For, for sure, man. And, yeah. I, and I had to play the three one year. So my nemesis at the three, who was the only other dude like to really bust my ass every time he saw me, was Glenn Rice. Oh, man. I'm trying man. to – I wasn't used to – all that running y'all do coming yeah. off of our screens and oh, coming yeah. back. and Yo, I'm not for all that. <laughs> Go yeah. out that way. I'm too late. Yeah. Like you said, jab. Uh, I am going. Yo, <laughs> put me back at the four, dog. <laughs> I can't guard this brother right here. Hey, that league life, once you start, you get on somebody that can really score it and you're a rookie and you're going, man, this, mm-hmm. this dude is about to, about to murk me. But, yeah, you played multiple positions just like I did, so – you know, it was just weird just guarding all these different cats. I yes. had to guard them, the killers from MJ to Gary Payton to Mitch Richmond to, to Mully to night in, night Reggie, out. Reggie Miller. And mm-hmm. tonight, then you had the Terrell Brandons that nobody knew about, the Mookie Blaylock, and even Smitty, Steve Smith in his prime. <sighs> Ridiculous. All these guys, man, it was crazy. Yes. It was crazy. Now, you go from, from Washington, and then you get to Portland, which I can go on the record saying one of my favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Y'all team in Portland, man, I ain't going to lie. I love that team. Y'all was deep. <laughs> I said that to you before. How was it? How was the difference between Washington and Portland? Oh, it was definitely a, a culture shock, a culture change. Um, you know, with Washington being back then, the nickname was Chocolate City, um, of course, because of the, of the majority of the black population. Yeah. And then going from there out to the great northwest of Portland, where you have a majority of the population who's white, um, and you have a few, uh, you have a few black people out there as well, but. Mm-hmm. It was a culture shock, and it took some getting used to, but I liked it, though, real talk. Um, you know, back then I was married. I had kids, and Portland, to me, even to this day, is still a great family town. It's like if you live there and you're married with kids, there's no way on God's green earth your kids could be like, oh, Dad, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. They literally have a kajillion things to do for children in the city of Portland, and that's I think one of the big reasons why I love being there, because I like to do a lot of work with kids right. and my kids when they were younger as well. So Portland, it was it was a culture shock, but I, I liked it. I ran into – I'm glad Damon came out there. Okay. Um, with Damon being a local, he introduced me to a lot of good people. Yeah, that's good. And we're still friends to this day, like that family knit. We're yeah. still friends to this day. And people don't even understand the importance of what you just said. You're building relationships in the communities that you play mm-hmm. in. And then Damon Stoudemire, who's from the area – Yep. From Portland. Yeah, from Portland, introduce you. It's about networking as well yes. in the league. It's not just about what you see on TV. 
it's building the relationship that you can have for a lifetime that you never know where it could take you. You can yes. talk about that a little bit too. Just build because I, I built a ton of relationships in Orlando, Phoenix, New Every, York, everywhere you play, everywhere you go. And now I can call on those relationships, and that's what kids don't understand. When you got to have your mind on right as far as when it mm-hmm. comes off the court stuff, because it's more than just on the court. It's off the court as well when you retire. Yep, and it, and it all coincides with one another. And it's important not to burn any of those bridges, you know. So for a lot of the younger kids that's out there listening for the collegiate level or high school level, if you're being recruited by a college coach and you have a chance to meet him during your recruitment stages, remain with that friendship. Don't yep. just diss him like, no, nah, I ain't messing with him. I ain't going to his school anyway. So, no, right. don't just diss him because you never know. You never know. You could run into this coach at another college down yep. the line. You might need a job. Yep. And from that one time with that coach meeting you, it's like, look, oh, yeah, that was a good kid. You know, he talked real well. Uh, he's very articulate, this and that. You remember this. Now, all right, come on, you want to be a GA or you want to get on the staff, this and that, and you go into it. But you didn't burn that bridge. And that's yeah. the one main thing that I like to try to teach a lot of the young guys as well, like, look, y'all getting attitudes with you never know who, referees, yep. other coaches, other players, just go play because down the line, what if this same ref or what if this same coach is your boss now? Now you're going to quit because you don't like him? Right. You're going to quit because he yells at you? Or you're going to quit because he told you to turn in you know, this work and you didn't do it? No. So it should be the same thing. With basketball, just because the coach says, yo, I need you to give me an extra 10 laps, or I need you to make sure that this play is ran right every time. Yo, it's all for you. It ain't for me. Yeah, I got my stuff already. It's all for you. Yeah. So just pretty much shut up and do what I say. Yeah, and then on top of that, and then I come back to the uh, Portland team. When uh, when the scouts came to, to like, kind of talk about James Wiseman, they go back to the janitor that was at the school. Mm. They go back to the restaurants in your neighborhood that you frequent to. Mm-hmm. They told me they go to through every, they, with a fine-tooth comb, they go yes. and try to find out about you through all those people. So if you're, you know, not respecting the janitor or respecting the people in the cafeteria or not respecting the people at the neighborhood store, they're going to talk to all those people, not just the people that you like that's going to speak yep. highly of you, that you think that are cool with you, but the people that you don't know that could really have an influence That's on whether yep. someone takes you. That's not a good kid. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch him. He he smokes weed every day. Mm-hmm. He's he's hanging with the wrong group. He's this. He's that. Or somebody that might be like, all right, he's a great kid. Yep. He's misunderstood. You never know. You just never know. So that's why you don't burn those bridges, man. At so all. It's that deep. Yes. Kids don't even know it's that deep. Still waters run deep. All right, it's time for a break, because now is the time to celebrate. It's the first week of the NFL season. It's about to kick off, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL, is putting you in the center of this weekend's action. New customers get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit by signing up using the code PENNY. Get in on the action now. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the NFL action like never before with a free shot at a $1 million payday. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code PENNY. This week, new customers get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete for millions in prizes across all contests. Enter that code PENNY to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code PENNY. And it's only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. 
Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And now back to two cents. Yeah, no doubt. So when we go back to the Portland team, the the the, the perception of who you guys were. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got really weird for a minute because they tried to put this tag on you guys. How was that to y'all? Did y'all laugh that off? Or y'all was like, okay, this is we we what y'all, y'all can be what y'all think about us. Y'all can think what y'all want to think about us, but we're just straight ballers. We're going to try to get a championship. Well, that that was our overall goal, you know. Of course, we were the only show in town. There's no other professional sports teams in the Portland area. So, of course, all eyes on us. Mm-hmm. We magnify it. Anything we do, magnify it. Yeah. As you mentioned, out at the mall, uh, if something happens, it's magnified. It might yeah. be on the news later yeah. that night. You know? So, with that whole perception of us, we were called the Jailblazers. The Jailblazers. But we picked up that nickname because it rhymed with Trailblazers. Because the crazy thing, nobody on our team went to jail. Right. So right. how can you call us the jail blazers? <laughs> Ain't nobody go to jail. Right. Like, and, you know, we had a couple of run-ins with, you know, speeding tickets or this and that. But it was nothing, never serious. Especially like you see with some of the uh, events and players now. It was none of that with us. We just picked up that stigma. Um, and then for me, I stopped messing with the media because y'all writing negative stuff about the only guys in town who yep. could help make a difference in all these communities. Yeah. But you just want to write all this negative shit. Oh, he did this, he did that, the technicals, attitude problem, this and that. Yo, you just killing us. You just, not only, you trying to kill me to further your career, yeah. but you killing it all for the community. Yeah. Because now, with you saying that, let's just say it's a community uh, person who wants to do some work. Well, now... You know, he or she might be a little wary, like, uh, I read in the paper that he did this and did that. Yeah. I don't know if that's good for Yeah. You messing it up now for the kids. So it ain't about us. Yeah. It ain't about you trying to advance your career with the LA Times, with the Washington Post. Yeah. You're stuck here in this small town in Portland. Yep. Don't get mad at me. You chose to come out here. Right. Not me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of weird because, you know, you guys are giving back to the community with your finances, with your time. When the media starts to do that, that kills endorsements. That kills opportunities, like you said, to get back yes. into the community. And I remember a guy said this a long time ago. He, he brought, like, a tons of sheets of paper, like, copying paper, like, white, plain white sheets. Mm-hmm. It was, like, maybe 10 rolls, and I think it was, like, 100 sheets of paper in each one. And he said, you guys want to take these two sheets and define me, but this is my whole life right here. Fact. You feel me? Fact. Don't Oh, that's a me, great you know example. I mean? Yes. So it's like all these pieces of paper, these stacks, um, is my life mm-hmm. that you know nothing about. But you grab these two sheets of paper like this and then just put it on the... And read the cliff And notes. then just say, <laughs> yeah, and just say, this is who you are. You don't know me. At all. You know what I mean? So, and you want to get to know me, we can, but don't mm-hmm. just put me out there like I'm some dude that don't care about nothing. Yep. That I don't care that I'm making millions of dollars. I don't have any responsibility. I don't have a family at home. You know what I mean? And so that's but, what those writers and do. And they yeah, they're not thinking about that though. They not they're not thinking about, okay, with me writing this story on him. They not they don't care if your kids reading it. They don't care, oh, your kids getting teased at school. Oh, your dad does this, your dad does yeah. that. They're not thinking about no, none not. of that. And and that's what affects us. So now, what do I do? All right. So you won't affect that side of my world. I ain't got nothing to say to y'all. Bro, I'm I'm at I'm at home. I can remember this day vividly. Watching you guys against the Lakers, and we all had them games. I got the Houston Rockets game one, where you know Nick missed the free throws, and we never recovered from it. Mm-hmm. Y'all are smashing the Lakers, 
I'm looking at the game. I'm like, man, they are about to win by like 30. They're about to smash the Lakers because the Lakers were rolling. And they were favored. And they were favored. And y'all yes. were rolling. Y'all got up as much as how many did y'all get up? Uh, I think the biggest lead we might have was like 18 or 20. Yeah, but that was deep in the game. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you see the momentum shift a little bit. I don't know if it was missed calls. I don't know if it was just kind of describe that second half. As, as well as you can in that in that Lakers game, uh, it, it was like a green mist. You know, it was it was it was just that that funk in the air, and it started with B. Shaw's uh, end of the shot clock three that he banked off the glass. Yep, and then everything else just rolled from there. We missed we missed thirteen or fourteen straight shots. Yeah, and for me, I missed about six of them, and I'm talking about a couple jump shots, point blank layups right there. Yep. I'm missing it all. And they building that momentum. They coming mm-hmm. back, coming back, and hitting buckets. And at the end of the game, we ended up losing the game. And I really didn't think about that until years later. Like that was the basketball gods. It wasn't. It wasn't meant for us to win that game because if it was, then we would have. Right. But you go back and you think of every little thing yeah. where you could have changed. Like damn. I would have got that rebound, or if we wouldn't have called this timeout, or if I would have made this shot, that shot. All that replayed in my head over and over for a few years after that game. But said, all right, end of the day, it was the basketball guys. It wasn't meant for us to win it. So I had to, you know, suck it up, man up, and, <laughs> and just accept it. So that that leads me to Detroit because it seemed like that's the mentality that you had, like no what ifs now. Mm-hmm. I got me a crew. I learned my lesson in Portland. I get to Detroit now. It ain't no what ifs. I got Ben. I got Chauncey. I got Tay. Yep. I got Rip. We ain't going back through what what if. We about <laughs> to go ahead and get this shit done. You know get what I mean? Like we're gonna get it done. So when you got to Detroit, did you see the magic when it when you first got there? Like this could be something. I didn't I didn't see it probably until about the second or third game I played, where it was a lot of things that was just connected, especially on defense with with me and Ben. You know, he's a man of few words, but out there on that floor, you know, he's talking and everything is just connected. So now it goes back to that trust factor. Mm-hmm. I don't have to look behind me. I know it's covered. I know Ben got him one-on-one straight up, so I ain't got to go double. Now Rip can stay home. Chauncey, you stay home. Uh-huh. Tay, you stay home. Uh-huh. So as you mentioned, yeah. I was like, all right. Then the bench, you coming in, you got heavy hitters off the bench. Big Eldon Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Darvin Ham, Lindsey Hunter, Mike James, like you got some guys off on that bench too. And when they come in the game, it didn't slack off. Right. They picked it up. I was like, I said, yo, I said, we could do something right here. I said, we could do something. Now, I wasn't thinking, to be honest, I wasn't thinking we could win a championship that year. Mm-hmm. Did I think it? Yes. You know, like, oh, you know, we get it together a year or two, we could win this. But when it started going, I was like, yo. To be real special out here, and I'll be damned. It started clicking together with everything with Coach Brown, Larry Brown. He's a mad scientist, you mm-hmm. know. I played for Coach B. And LB. It's like it, it just started all falling down like dominoes. You know, when I look at that team, there was talent. There was enough talent, but it was more guys that understood who they were. Yeah. To me, looking at that team, everybody, everybody their identity. Everybody, everybody. There was no identity crisis for anybody mm-hmm. on that team. And then the guys that came off the bench, they starred in their roles, mm-hmm. and they enjoyed starring in their role. And nowadays, you know, I'm looking at a kid that played at Texas this year, 
And I see an announcer call him a volunteer runner. This dude was just volunteer runner. He he never got the ball, but he never he was nonstop energy. Mm-hmm. It's like those guys are just throwing in their roles. They're so yep. big on championship teams. And just looking at that team, I was like, man, they just got a lot of guys that just know how to play. That you had enough high IQ guys to yep. go along with the with the hard workers and guys throwing in their roles. And man, to get that championship, damn. I think I think. Um what is it, Gino Amaretta? I know I'm butchering his last name, but the coach for UConn. Oriama, yeah, Gino Oriama. He said it best. He said, be a five-star in your role. Mm-hmm. If you coming into school as a you know a two, two or three-star athlete, that's okay. For you, for what I need from you, be a five-star at that role. And that's what our bench was. Those like Mike James and Lindsey. Yo, yeah. <laughs> it was like pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, let them loose. So now I'm playing off of that. Hey, we can move up a little bit, play these passing lanes. Yep. And it just started all falling like dominoes right there, one line behind the other. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And next thing I know, look up. Shit, now we in the Eastern Conference Finals against Jersey. Like, oh, man, let's get it. Boom, one got that. And we now it's redemption time. Yes, for sir. Me. It's redemption time. Against the Hall of Fame team. Against the Hoff team, who <laughs> David Stern wanted them to win that. Everybody Extra dominated. motivation. We had, we had media in our own city that didn't believe in us. It's fine. Our, I would say, our energy was so high. We went out there that game one. We knew we was going to beat game one. Now, we didn't know by that much. Could have been one and could have been 50. We knew we were going to beat game one. Then game two, Bean Bryant, rest in peace, yep. hit a great shot. I think they was up like two, and he hit a great shot to lift them to like a six-point lead, something like that, and they went on to win the game. Mm-hmm. So we were on a plane heading back to Detroit. Got a couple guys playing cards, some guys on their um, computers watching movies and stuff. But it, it somehow almost seemed that one time we all were saying to one another, like, yo, y'all know if we go back there to L.A., it's over for us. We're not going to come out of there with, with no wins, right. with this chip. Right. And right then and there, we all knew this shit ain't going back to L.A. <laughs> like, so we want balls out for those three games at home, and we knew it. And, man, let me tell you, bro, it was – it was it was that it was that final moment. I did it. I did it, you know, all of the it was like a quick flash for me. And you can contest to this. All of the times growing up, what you doing in the schoolyard? Oh yeah. Five, yeah, four, no three. doubt. The last second shot. Oh, we win the championship. Yeah. Oh. When it happened, when uh Mr. Davison, rest in peace, hoisted that gold ball up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were celebrating that night, and then that next day, we like, all right, we got to prep for to take care of this ball now. Yeah. And that's what it was. That was the mentality that that crew had. And I was yeah. like, man, I, I loved it. But now now you can – if you go back to what Coach Smith did for you, and then you won, you celebrated, you said, one day, and then the day after, it was like, we got to prep. So now you see why he was in your living room. Exactly. You, you tie all of that together. <laughs> now it's like it's when you win it circle. and you finally – it's so gratifying – you don't get a chance to celebrate it long because you're like, mm-hmm. all right, we got to go right back. Your mind clicks right into, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. You do still enjoy it, but it's like your mind should click back into, all right, we got to protect it. We got to go back and get it. So where's the legacy of that team in your mind, that Pistons team? Whether I, it comes from the Detroit teams 
or the teams that have won the championship in the league? Where's your Where's your guys' legacy? Oh man, I, I said we up there. We top notch. Um, you know, we still hold an NBA record as a team today. We've hold, we've played. I think it was six or seven games in a row where we held teams under seventy points. Oh, that's in major. This modern score that's shot major. clock era. So that's not going to happen again because they don't play no defense in the league now. Yeah, no doubt. You know, but. I put us up there with anybody. Um, you know, I've always got the question, um, even on my podcast and, and, you know, previous interviews, how do you think your team would do against uh, Golden State when they had KD and mm-hmm. won it? I was like, oh, we bust their ass. I was like, especially if we got to play by their rules where you can't touch me. <laughs> and now the team that I'm with, we have a better skill set. Mm-hmm. We gonna bust y'all ass, and y'all definitely can't play by the old school rules. <laughs> <laughs> Half of them ain't even big enough. Right. But no, we gonna bust y'all ass. So I, I put us up there. Like, I would, I would love to see us play like one of them Bulls teams. Yep. Or, or one of them Rockets teams. You know, who, yeah. who just had a lot of great players, or yeah. even, even the like the '80s Lakers team. Yeah. Like a lot of great players, damn near Hoffs at every yeah. position. Yeah. I, I want to see how we match up against all of that. And then how the defensive schemes will happen and taking things away. Man. Yeah. And as long as everybody stayed away, like, as long as I got Larry Brown, I'm good money. Yeah, I'm LB, money. he's he's a man, like you said, a mad scientist. Yes. I'm actually uh, uh, been been mentoring. He's been mentoring me over the last three years since I've been here, just kind of in constant communication. Mm-hmm. So got to speak with him later uh, today. But we've been in close contact, so trying to yeah, do some things dude. as well. Yeah, good dude. But, no, man, Hall of Fame career. Uh, played the game at the highest level. Brought it every single night. Now you're retired. What are you doing now? Wow. Um, after all the uh, madness, I've, I'm actually doing something I thought I wouldn't do, and that's coaching high school. Um, I coach in high school uh, at Durham, in Durham, excuse me, at uh, Jordan High School. This is my – we just completed my second year, so we're about to go into the third year this fall. And I like it, man. It's, it's the fact that I'm helping mold these young men into becoming future leaders. No yeah. matter if it's basketball or whatever. Do they know who you are? Do they know your history? Yeah, they do. And okay. mainly the text. <laughs> Main, <laughs> mainly the text. But um, but no, they they them themselves, they see that perception that everyone thought of me, they they already see it's not me. And their parents. They they see it's not I'm not the hothead who a lot of these papers and media said I was. Yeah. That's when I was at work. That's different when you at work. Yeah. Now that life, that part of my life is over. It's a new chapter. So I love coaching. Though. Yeah. Being able to go to Nike camps across the country to help coach the young fellas, it's like I get a kick out of it. And especially when I see that you're doing well and, you know, you make the league or you're, you're a professional. It might not be basketball, but you're a professional at whatever it is you do. That, that makes me feel good. Like, yeah, I know that young boy right there. Yeah, you had, a, you had an opportunity to, to help push him in the right direction mm-hmm. for sure. But when I look at you, man, your game, high IQ, you bring that to the – like I told you about, I'm glad that you're back coaching. Do you, you said you wouldn't, but I know people are going to recognize who you are as a gift and as a talent. What if other levels start calling later on? Are you willing to move on from that? I don't know. I you don't know. know. You won't say never, but you just uh, Yeah, I won't know. say never. I won't say know. never. At this moment, I don't know because I, I love what I'm doing. I love coaching these high school kids, man, because they listen. You know, they eat it up. They're, any any knowledge, any jewels I'm dropping on them, they eat it up. Any knowledge and jewels, Bonzi or Steve Jack, AI, we all dropping on them. D-Miles, they eat it up. And that's what I love. 
not saying that on the NBA level, the guys won't respect us, but it's a difference. Because now you're getting paid all this bread, unlike high school players who's playing it for love. Mm -hmm. I like the love part. Because yeah. that means you'll run through a brick wall to get where you got to go. Right, for sure. And that's my hold up right now because I love the grassroots and I love this level because the kids, you can test their lives and help mold them. Yes. And make them into something. You get to the next level, like you said, a guy's making 10 mil a year. He don't feel like hearing from you. Oh, you just an old cat. Mm -hmm. We're really not going to take that disrespect. Mm -hmm. So it's going to always be bumping head with a guy, even though we know how to talk to him or whatever. Right, but it's right. a lot different from coaching this level, man. But, man, I just, you know, I want to wrap it up. Just, I'm glad that you're back in the, you came back to high school because the kids, the area need, I know you got your coaches here with you mm -hmm. um, that are, uh, I know you're going to have good people around you that are going to develop, going to teach, yes. going to give them the knowledge, uh, teach them not only on the court and off the court. And as a guy that's done that and walked that, that lane already, I just appreciate the guys coming back and everybody should. Mm -hmm. I hope it's more of us that decide to come back. Ray Allen told me he wouldn't get in the AAU. Now he's in the AAU. <laughs> now he in there. You know what I mean? God rest Bean Bryant. He told me he wasn't. He didn't like AAU. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't in AAU. Started coaching his daughter and doing yep. AAU. So AAU. <laughs> it's like the love of the game is always going to draw you back, man. One way so, or another. One, one way, way or another. another. It's going to draw you back. And hopefully most guys get back because we're needed. Yes. We're needed, man, because we went through it. And we can be like they can see their dreams through us. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you for coming back on or for coming on my Two Cents podcast. Oh, man. no doubt. And thanks for coming to Memphis and man, continue success. And I just want to say this real quick. You were one of the reasons though. Cause it was a it was a few years ago, I saw you on the AAU circuit. We were somewhere and you were coaching your AA team. It was you and Blue Edwards. Yep. And that's I was like, oh shit, okay, you coming back. And, then, and yeah. that's what made me help follow that role. So I'm trying to do that's that's what what's you up, do, man. Good brother. That's what's up. Let's keep let's keep shining that light, bro. For sure. And get the other young cats to come behind us. Yes, sir. Yo, my two cents. Peace. <laughs>